All right. I like to hear the response. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun this morning, and I, I've got some things just for you guys, you kids, that we're going to have some fun with. So, so I'm kind of talking to adults and kids today both, so I'm going to try to have something for everybody. But how are you all doing today? Is, I mean, is everybody feeling good? Wasn't that a wonderful way to end our worship time? And, and uh, the Lord is so good. Love Him in the morning. Love Him in the noontime. Love Him till the sun goes down. Appreciate our worship team leading us and their uh, flexibility to shift over and do some things that they know the kids would be able to participate in. That's so important. Well, I'm excited about, um, we are on the fifth of our series of 16 steps of what we believe as a church. And we're going to be covering some crazy topics, including some of the end times things as we get down towards the, the end of that, but we're still on kind of some of the most important things because the Assemblies of God on their, on their little pamphlet put the most important things first, which makes sense, doesn't it? And so I want to start by telling you a little story, first of all, and then we're going to take a look at this uh, fifth truth, which is called salvation, and we're going to talk about what that means in a minute. Do you guys remember back in 20, uh, I think 2018, that there was a, in the country of Thailand, there was a soccer team of, of 13 kids, excuse me, <coughs> still getting over this cold. There were 13 kids and their coach that went caving. Now, do you kids know what caving is? It's where underground... In some places in the world, including over here in the Black Hills, are these huge caves that go for miles and miles. And they go up and down underneath the ground. And they, sometimes they have great big caverns. Sometimes they have little teeny tunnels you've got to barely just kind of crawl through. Sometimes they've got water in them. In that case, people actually dive with, with diving apparatus, like divers wear to get under and through that area of the cave. And so caving can be very fun, and it can be very dangerous, too. And these 13 kids went way inside a cave system that's like 200 miles long, and they got way in there, and they went past some of these low areas, and guess what happened? It started raining really hard, and the area that they went through filled up with water, and the area that they had to go through to get out filled up with water. And they got stuck underground and for a long time. And finally, they were trapped there for 18 days. Finally, um, a group of people, including a bunch of Americans that flew over there to help a bunch of divers, first of all, they helped two of the kids that could swim get out through swimming through the portion where they had to go underwater. And they got those two kids out, and then some of the divers stayed, and they taught the other kids who didn't know how to swim how to swim. Can you believe it, that you're learning to swim in a cave? And, and then after about two days of preparing, the divers brought you know, bottles of oxygen and diving masks for all the kids to wear. And they helped them one at a time, to swim through that distance underwater and come out the other side. And you know what? They rescued all of those kids 
Can you, it was an amazing thing on the news. In fact, Ron Howard, a famous filmmaker, wasn't he from American Graffiti or something like that? But, or Happy Days? Yeah. But Ron Howard just made a movie called 13 Lives. And it's going to come out, I think, this coming November. And it's about this thing, and apparently it's going to be a phenomenal movie. So this morning, I want to talk about this whole idea of being rescued, okay? And the Bible has a word that it uses for being rescued. Do you know what that word is? Yeah, being saved, being saved. So let me read what the, what, and this is in my own words of what this truth means, okay, what, the way it's stated. Man's only hope of being rescued is by receiving the payment by Jesus for our sins. Rescue is available when I turn to God and I trust Him to save me because of His love for me he puts His Holy Spirit inside you, washes away my dirt, my sin, and actually adopts me into His family and gives me forever life with Him. Wow, that's saying a lot, isn't it? Isn't that amazing how much? So this word salvation or save or Savior, I like to use the word Rescue and being rescued, and the person who rescues me is my rescuer. And so I kind of thought I would change the title of my message from salvation, which sounds very religious, but people kind of not as connected to that, to the name Jesus, my rescuer. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So this is not just to help us help our kids, is to help us adults too. Our world and the language we use is changing so fast. I could read from the King James Version Bible, which I grew up on, and a good half, three quarters of our people would go, I don't have a clue what, you meant, what that meant. I, there are passages I could read and you would go, what language are you speaking? It's, it's changed that much. The world has. And so while I still enjoy the beauty, the poetry and of, the, of the King James and some of the older versions of the Bible, I read new translations because I want to be able to connect with our kids. I want them to understand who Jesus is, that Jesus is their rescuer. So I want to ask you kids, how many kids do we have back there? All right, some of them are, are busy. There we go. <laughs> How many of us are kids at heart? Good, there's lots of kids in here. So, first question, have you ever been rescued? Can you think of a time, not talking about being rescued by Jesus yet, can you think of a time when you actually experienced being rescued in a situation where you were needing to be rescued? Good, maybe we'll have a chance to hear one or two of your stories. I have been too. I've been rescued a couple times. And um, I go ahead and go to the next slide, Dale. I'm going to see if I put anything up here about that. Okay, next one. 
Oh, that's too far. Okay. There we oh, There's the cave, right? There's the cave. The guy's being rescued, getting ready for that. Go ahead for the next one. There we go. Stop right there. Brooke, my, my wife, and by the way, Brooke was approved by the, the, uh, the Nebraska Assemblies of God Executive Presbytery this last week to be licensed as a pastor, relicensed, because she was licensed years ago. She just got, she's going to be awarded her license here in another uh, couple months. So very excited about that. She's been working very hard to prepare for that. But she has an uncle, or had an uncle. He's since passed away a few years ago. And his name was Gary. And Gary was about six foot seven. And he was about 300 pounds, and it was no fat at all. And Gary was, as you might guess, a large part of his life, he was a state patrolman. And he's the kind of state patrolman that when you break the law and pull over and he comes over there and stands next to your window, you are very nice and very polite. He was a big guy, and he worked in Alaska, and he broke up bar fights and, and had to punch people all the time. <laughs> he's this great big brute of a guy, but he loved Jesus. And when Gary was in his 20s, he started racing dog sled teams because he lived in Lake Tahoe, which in the wintertime, they had a lot of snow. And uh, the next, so there's a picture of a dog sled team. Go ahead to the next slide. It shows you, I went the wrong way. That one. Yep, that's the one we want. This is where Brooke and I met, or not met, but this is where we got married in the town next to this spot on the road. It's called Incline Village, Nebraska, or Nevada, not Nebraska. And uh, Brooke and I got married there in 1981. I know that's old. But um, in the year 1952, excuse me, it snowed. How many feet do you think that is? <laughs> it, it, I think it snowed about 30 feet. This is the little mountain pass that's just above where we lived. Brooke and I lived only about maybe 2,000 feet below that mountain pass there. And we drove over that road all the time. And in this one particular year, it snowed horrendously, and two families were driving over the pass in their cars and got stuck in this snowstorm before they were able to get to them. And they were in their cars, and they sent somebody, apparently had skis or something, and got word out or had a radio or something. And so... Brooke's uncle, Gary, who lived down in the, in the town, down by the lake, Lake Tahoe, he heard about it and that these people were trapped on the mountain. And you know what he did? Kids, do you know what he did? He hooked up his dogs to the dog sled and he mushed those dogs seven or eight miles up to the top of the summit on the Mount Rose Highway there. And he found those people in their cars and he bundled them up in extra clothes and he found a, an old sheep herder's cabin made out of tin and rock. It was probably about eight feet by four feet. As I remember seeing it before it was completely gone. And he got them in there and got a fire going in the old rock wood stove and he saved those people's lives. And it was in all the newspapers and... Uh, and Gary became actually famous for that, for being willing to, to show that much courage to save these people. It's an amazing thing. 
You know, I've been saved too, but it was pretty stupid, actually. I was skiing down a mountain because I skied in high school, and I hit a bump, and the ski hit me in the head and knocked me out. And it, it put a big cut in my head. There's a scar still, I think, right there. It hit me right here in the eyebrow. It knocked me out, and I woke up on one of those long sleds with ski patrolmen taking me down the mountain. And, and when I got to the lodge, there was no normal doctor. They found an obstetrician. You know what an obstetrician does, kids? He delivers babies. And you know what he did for me? Well, I'd already been delivered, obviously. So he, he got a needle and thread, and he sewed up my cut above my eye and patched me up, and two weeks later, I was skiing again. So the ski patrol rescued me. Isn't that awesome? And the only other time I really um, want to talk about being rescued is that my dad had an old Chevy pickup truck, 1965, and we were going down a hill, and then it was around a corner. It's called Irish's Corner in a little town I grew up in. And uh, I, was, I was sitting on the outside edge by the door. My brother was sitting in the middle by my dad, and my dad was driving. This is a four-speed, you know, the old Chevy pickup and when we went around the corner, the door wasn't completely latched, and it swung open. You don't see that on modern vehicles. But the door to the truck swung open. I went like this, and my dad grabbed my hand just as I was falling out of the truck and jerked me back in. And then he reached over and slammed the door shut. So I have been saved a couple times by the grace of God, even though it was through my dad or through an obstetrician. So how about you? If you have your notes this morning, there's a place for you to answer this question. Have you ever been rescued? I encourage you to do that. I hope you guys have thought of some fun stories. If we have a little bit of time, maybe we'll get a chance to ask you to share one of the two of those stories. So when does somebody need to be rescued? What was that? Yeah, when they're in danger. Who said that? That was a wonderful question. Good for you. Right. Yes, TJ. Yeah, that's true. When they are lost. <laughs> that, that works. That dog will hunt, they say, right? So, so it's, it's really when you can't help yourself, right? If you can help yourself, you wouldn't need to be rescued. And, and all of us being independent Americans, we always are helping ourselves, but there are times in everybody's life when we can't help ourselves and we are stuck. Anybody grow up with Br'er Rabbit stories? Any of you older people? Remember the story of the tar baby? Um, Br'er Fox was always looking for a way to catch Br'er Rabbit. And so one day he thought he'd he got an idea, and he, he took and he made a scarecrow, and he covered the scarecrow with tar, that sticky, almost liquid tar. And he made this, this little, little man, and he put a smile on his face and a, and a little nose and two little eyes in there, and, and it made him look like he was a little real, little real tar baby. And Br'er Fox, this is a kid's story. Br'er Fox comes 
uh, excuse me, Br'er Fox made the, made the tar bear baby. Br'er Rabbit comes along one day, and he's known for being kind of cocky. And he's walking along, and he sees this tar baby in the side of the road. And he says, he says, how you doing? And the tar baby didn't say anything. And Br'er Rabbit, he got offended. And he says, well, you're kind of snooty, huh? You think you're better than me? And so he punched him. And guess what happened when he punched the tar baby? His fist got stuck in that tar. And then he got mad and he punched him again. And his other fist got stuck in the tar. And then he thought, I'll kick him. And he kicked him and his leg got stuck in the tar baby. And then he kicked him with the other leg and pretty soon he was totally helpless. And Br'er Fox came along and, and uh, he pulled Br'er Rabbit off, off the tar baby very carefully. And he was going to take him home and eat him for dinner. And Br'er Rabbit said, oh, that'd be a relief. Just don't throw me in the briar patch. Remember that story? He says, and, and Br'er Fox goes, briar patch? I mean, that would be worse than me eating you? And finally, Br'er Rabbit said, oh, yeah, you could take me home and cook me. That'd be wonderful, but don't throw me in the briar patch. And Br'er Fox goes, well, I'm going to do the worst thing I can do to you. So he threw Br'er Rabbit in the briar patch, and guess what? He got away because briar patches are where bunnies live. The point is, is that we can sometimes get ourselves into situations that we get stuck. We can't extract ourselves from. It's like trying to get cooked marshmallow off your fingers when you're making s'mores. And you eat it and you get it in your mustache or you get it in your lips. And you just, no matter what you do, you can't get it off. That all of us have been stuck. And that is why we need to be saved. Because we get stuck in something that God calls sin, right? And sin is when we're doing things that hurt other people, and hurt ourselves, and hurt the heart of God. So, once you realize... Oh, wait a second. Yeah. Once you realize you can't rescue yourself... You have to make a choice. What is that choice? Anybody? What's the choice? Yeah, you can either ask for help or what? Yeah, you can either ask for help and cry out to God or you can stay stuck or even get worse stuck. We heard something today that, that, you know, we often say when they hit bottom, they'll bounce. And, but you know what? We heard a guy, a lady talk today about addiction saying, you know, really, uh, it's like there's no real bottom until you finally die sometimes. And there are people that actually reject God wanting to help them until the point that they have, they're beyond no return. They die in that place of rejecting God. That's got to be the scariest thing I could think of. This idea of calling out to God, realizing that I'm stuck and I, don't, I need help, and turning to God is called repentance. That's a fancy word that means to turn around and reach out to God because God is already reaching out to you. 
That's what repent means, to turn to God. To stop going deeper into the mud and to cry out to Him for His help. Romans 10.13 is one of my favorite verses. And it says, Everyone who calls out to the Lord will be saved or rescued. Now, how, I want to say it again. Everyone, even Troy, even Dennis, even Johnny, everyone who calls out to the Lord will be, yes, will be saved. Does that mean that anybody is exempted? That anybody does, is disqualified? No. The only people who are disqualified are the ones that decide they're never going to call out to the Lord. But everyone, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. How hard is it to be saved? All you've got to do is call out to Him. Now, of course, you've got to be sincere in your calling out to Him. You've got to be, it's got to be a, a real call. But anybody, I think that's such an amazing verse. Nobody is disqualified from God's grace who calls out on the name of Jesus. So, what are some of the, th what are some of the things that we need to be rescued from? What kinds of sin? Give me some examples. What, Maria? Making a mistake more than once? Oh, doing the same thing. Something you kind of are stuck doing? Okay. So what we might call an addiction or a habit? Okay. Pardon? Anger. Ooh, yeah. Pardon? Rebellion towards God. Do I want to do my own thing and I don't care what God says? Okay. What was that? Horrible choices, yeah. Let me share one with you and be real, real with you. This is just the last month. Um, I was looking for the uh, divisional playoffs for football on YouTube and uh, on Facebook, Facebook videos. And uh, I... Something, as I was looking at the football once, flashing through the videos, the recaps of the game, something flashed through there that was very bad. And uh, I just caught a glimpse of it and went, whoa, I don't want that. And, went, and it went, I pet and went by it. And, but I probably saw it for a second. And I don't know why they stick those things in there, but it made me feel dirty. It made me feel, um, ooh, just gross. And the worst part was is I kept, my mind kept wanting to go back and, and look at that image. Visualize that thing. So what did I do? I did a couple things. I did, I said Jesus, please, wash my mind. Cleanse me, Lord. That was horrible. And the second thing I did is I said, I said, Holy Spirit, you live inside me. Fill me up. Come now and give me the strength to replace that picture with something that's true. To leave that thing behind and, and get away from it. I felt contaminated. And then the third thing I did is I talked to Brooke and I said, Honey, this thing really hit me hard. And she said, Let's go to your settings and see if we can change the setting on your, on your phone to restrict any kind of access to that kind of material. And we were able to do that. At least, at least for one of the things I was looking at one of the kinds of kinds of software. So that was something that 
I was just saying, oh, God, I don't want to get caught. The enemy is always looking for people to snare them and to take them captive. 2 Timothy talks about that in chapter 2. He wants to take people captive. How about you? Can you think of something that was like uh, uh, something that grabbed you? It's like getting a hook in you, trying to pull you in to a place of, of filthiness, a place of bondage. Because that happens to us. And uh, I, Jesus rescued me. And you know, I've told you my story that when I came to Jesus, when I was a college student, that Jesus rescued me from stuff that I was way over my head into. Things I was watching. And he rescued me from a real addiction, a real bondage, and saved me. Cut it, just cut it off like a rope. And so, this morning, what good is it to understand who a Savior is unless you really need a Savior? You're not going to value Jesus unless you understand what He has set you free from or can set you free from. Right? And that's why I love Jesus so much because I have been forgiven so much. And he has freed me from so much. And I want him to keep doing that in my life. Because it's a process. He keeps setting us free. Going deeper and deeper inside of us. All right. Um, I have a little video clip, I think. Can we play that? There it is. Try it. See if that works. You may need to fast forward past the... Uh, Introduction. That's the introduction. You gotta wait till it says. You gotta go hit the skip ads. There you go. Okay, this is Mary Magdalene coming back to Jesus. It's not you. Turn the captions on too, please. There's quite a lot going on right now. CC. Oh, hit the gear, I'm sorry. So it's good to have you back. Subtitles, right there. English, yeah. Hit, hit I English. Don't know what to say. I don't require much. There we go. I'm, I'm so ashamed that you redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day, is it? <laughs> I owe you everything. But I just don't think I can do it. Do what? Live up to it. Repay you. How could I leave? How could I go back to the place I was when I didn't even... I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. <sighs> I just can't live up to it. Well, that's true. <laughs> but you don't have to. I just want your heart. The Father just wants your heart. Give us that which you already have. 
The rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. <laughs> I can't. You can. Look at me. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> it's over. want your heart. That's what Papa, Papa God is saying to you and to me this morning. You can't rescue yourself. Did you think you'd never struggle or sin again? Someday it'll get better. But when he has our heart, then he can save us from ourselves. It's a process. So powerful. Okay, we're going to play a little game for your, our kids. And uh, I have this hidden over here. So you guys want to see what this is? What's that? A pink flamingo. You know what? I want some guys to come up here and help me rescue this pink flamingo. So we're going to, I think we'll put him... Up here, right, right in the middle. And get this out of the way for a moment. And we need some kids to come up here that want to help catch the pink flamingo and rescue him. I've got life rings. Life rings. Okay, you want one? Okay. Who wants the life ring? Who wants to help catch the flamingo, rescue the flamingo? Okay. There you go. Okay, some of you guys are going to have to share a little bit. Okay, so we'll take turns. And what you do is you stand back here. And uh, you got to realize that the flamingo, he needs a little more air. But he, um, he is in a shark-filled pool, and he needs to be rescued, okay? So what you do is you hold one end of the rope, the very end of it, and then, then let me let me borrow yours for a minute, if I could, MJ. Okay, so you hold one end of the rope, and then you throw the ring, and you try to save the flamingo, like this, like that. Okay, so, all right, you guys, let's see if you can who can save the flamingo. Okay, you guys all stay back about four or five feet. <laughs> if your rope's too short, move ahead a little bit. We got a lariat going here. <coughs> Come on, you guys, you got to save him. 
<laughs> These sharks are going to eat him soon if you don't get him saved. <laughs> oh, you might have... Try that tail. <laughs> MJ, you're going to have to throw the ring part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, throw the ring part. Hold on to the rope like that and throw the ring, okay? Oh, pull him, pull him out of the pool. Oh, you almost got him. Pull, pull, pull him out of the pool. Oh, you saved him. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> All right, wrap up your, uh, your little life rings and put them next to the flamingo. Now, you kids that didn't get to go, you get to go next. I'm sorry. Okay, who didn't get to do the flamingo? Who didn't get a, a ring? Okay, Izzy. And who else needs one that didn't get one? Do you get one? Okay. Okay. We'll let him go. Okay, you guys. You... Okay, kids. See if you can get the flamingo. You can get closer. You can get closer. <laughs> Keep trying. Get him over his tail. Oh, pull, pull. You got it, Izzy. Woo! Izzy did it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. You guys take this back, give it to Chris and Katie, okay? They can do roping lessons. So, yeah, TJ, you guys take those ropes and take them back to your table. All right. They are. <laughs> Somebody wants another flamingo to rope. <laughs> Well, that was fun. You guys just learned what it means to be rescued. You rescued that flamingo from the sharks. So. <laughs> okay, I want to just share a few more things, and we're going to wrap it up for this morning. Just a few things real quick. God says that there's only one way to be rescued. Only one way to be rescued. Who's, what's, what's the only way to be rescued from sin? Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. In Luke 24, 47, he says, all people of every nation must be told in my name, Jesus said, to turn to God in order to be forgiven. And that's all they got to do. Turn to God. That's what repent means. It means to turn around and say, all right, God, rescue me. It's so simple. That's why what we have is called gospel, which means good news. Good news is that God does the work of rescuing me. All I have to do is turn to Him and say, help me. I'm ready for you. Whatever you need me, Jesus, I give my life to you. I give you my heart. The second point is, when Jesus... You kids listening are still, throw, still, still rescuing uh, various things. <laughs> when Jesus rescues a person, 
He makes them brand new inside. We call that being born again. It's like you're a brand new person. The old person is gone, and you're a brand new person. John 3, verse 3, Jesus said, I tell you for certain that you have to be born from a heaven, born from above, before you can see God's kingdom. And the third thing is, is that everyone needs to know about this. Everyone needs to know about it. Jesus, or Paul said in Romans 10 that how can people know about this unless we tell them? That's why it's good news and it's why we have a message that can actually end up in people's lives being saved for eternity. And if we don't tell them, they may not ever hear that message. I want to answer one more question. How do I know that I've been rescued by Jesus? How do I know that I've been rescued by Jesus? And two things that God does for us, which is wonderful. First of all, the Holy Spirit inside me tells me. Romans 8, verse 16, the Spirit Himself speaks to my spirit and makes me sure that I am God's child. How many of you this morning can say, I remember when I became a believer, I became a Christian, that there was something that inside of me that I just knew that God had me now, that I was His child. Who can say that? Yeah, I had that witness. Yeah, look at this room full of people. Isn't that amazing that when, when somebody meets Jesus, that He comes inside and we actually know. We know that we know that we know that we belong to Him. And that's cool because when you share Jesus with someone and pray with them, the same thing will happen to them. You don't have to convince them they're now a Christian. They have had a connection with God. That is such a cool thing. And secondly, the second thing that happens when we, that, that assures us that we're now a believer is that we start to change inside. My desires change. My language changed. Boy, my language changed. My bad habits started to change. It doesn't happen always instantly, although a lot of times a bunch of stuff happens right away. Bad attitudes start to be exposed, and I started to feel convicted. So how many of you can say, when I became a Christian, I started to change? God started changing me, the way I think, the way, I, the way my attitudes, the way I talk, the way I act. How many of you know that it doesn't happen instantly? And I love this saying that says, you know what? I'm not as far along and not as much like Jesus as I want to be, but I'm a heck of a lot better than I used to be because of Jesus. Isn't that true? I remember being at a concert in the Seattle Center listening to George Harrison from the Beatles. And he was started singing a song called My Sweet Lord. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Then he would sing Krishna. And I went, what? I was a brand new Christian. Just gave my life to Jesus two months earlier. 
And I heard him singing, Krishna, Jesus, Jesus, Krishna. And something inside of me went sideways. Because the Holy Spirit was living inside of me and changing my understanding of what was right and wrong and upside, up, up, up going up, facing up and facing down. He changes us. If someone says they are a Christian, but there's no change, what do you believe? Maybe they're just talking, right? Maybe it's not real. Maybe they have not really surrendered. Now, we've also discovered as believers that if we stop walking close to Jesus, does the change keep happening? Not very much, does it? We have to walk with Him. Paul said, I mean, John said in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, which is the light means the things God's showing us, if we respond to the thing God is showing us day by day, it says the blood of Jesus keeps washing us and washing us clean and setting us free from sin and that we'll continue to be forgiven. It's when we stop walking and we go, I'm going to do my own thing again. I had a friend that said he threw God in a dumpster. He threw his Bible in a dumpster and walked away from God for a while. Horrible thing. So, but the cool thing is, is that Holy Spirit is inside of us. He's not going to let go of us. Not without a big fight. And we need to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, have my heart. So I want to just read one verse and close. And then we'll have time for a few, maybe a couple stories of what things God saved you from. Excuse me. Titus 3, verses 5 through 7, in the contemporary English version. He saved us because of His mercy, which means God loves us so much He's willing to forgive us, and not because of any good things that we have done. God washed us by the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave us new birth and a fresh beginning. God sent Jesus Christ, our Savior, to give us His Spirit. Jesus treated us so much better than we deserve, and He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. Isn't that amazing? That's, that says so much in one, just uh, two short verses. So as we close real quick, a couple questions here, and then we'll see if we have time for a a story or two. Have you been rescued by Jesus from your sins? This morning. Everybody needs to answer that question, yes or no. And you can use your notes to do that, or you can just do it talking to God. Have you been rescued? If you haven't been rescued, there'll be an opportunity to pray in just a minute. If you have been rescued, what did you turn away from? Do you remember? What God saved you from? What you've turned away from? Did you call out to Jesus? And what happened when you did? Number four, if you haven't been rescued yet, are you ready to grab on to Jesus today? And if you have been rescued... Can you, are you willing to share this good news with somebody else? And if you are, who do you think God would want you to share that good news with?
So if there's anyone here this morning that has not been rescued by Jesus yet, when we close at 12 o'clock, I'm going to stay up here and Bianca is going to be up here and we want to be available to, to help you meet Jesus and be rescued. It's the most amazing thing. I remember, I still remember vividly when Jesus rescued me. I never want to go back. It'll be 48 years next November. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to be 65 next week on the 8th or week and a half, but that I got saved at 18 and a half. Hard to believe. <laughs> it's gone by so fast. Okay, who's got a story of how they were rescued? You could turn the camera off. That'd be great. Yes, Isabel's got her hand up. Is it Izzy or is it, I 